welcome to The Katie Helper Show. I'm your host, Katie Helper. You can find The Katie Helper Show on iTunes and on SoundCloud and on Patreon, where you can also find our extended interviews and bonus content. That's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Helper Show. On this week's episode, I speak to two congressional candidates running for Congress in the Democratic primary in Kansas, Brent Welder and James Thompson. James Thompson is running for Kansas's fourth congressional district, and Brent Welder is running for Kansas's third congressional district. Their elections are happening this Tuesday, August 7th. These two candidates really represent a progressive face of the Democratic Party. In fact, they are so progressive that none other than Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the 28-year-old from the Bronx, who, um, of course, won her congressional primary against Joe Crowley in New York, went to Kansas to rally for these two candidates. We must have gotten off at the wrong stop because people told me that Kansas was a Republican state. It doesn't look like that. They say that the movement won't work in Kansas. You know, they say, don't go to Kansas. They won't accept you there. They won't share your values there. And we all know that that is not true. What you have shown me and what we will show in the Bronx is that Kansans share the same values as working people anywhere else. Wherever there is working class people, there is hope for the progressive movement. First, I speak to Brent Welder, a candidate for Kansas's third congressional district. And you can find out more about Brent at brentwelder.com. Hello, and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. Really excited to be talking to Brent Welder, who is an American lawyer and an activist, and he's running for Congress in Kansas's third congressional district. And that is, interestingly enough, a district, one of the only five districts that are Republican-held that voted for... Bernie Sanders during the primary and Hillary Clinton during the general. So that was kind of a long-winded intro, but welcome, Brent. Thank you so much, uh, Katie. It's so good to talk to you. And, um, you know, I announced my I announced my campaign for Congress officially a year ago. But before I officially announced, I did kind of a soft opening. I went to um, the People's Summit in Chicago. And this was before I had announced for Congress. Very, you know, I didn't think anybody in America knew who I was other than just the people that I, that my friends and family. And, um, and you came up to me and recognized me from the 2016 Democratic National Platform Committee. You remember the speech I did to get money out of politics? This amendment that I am proposing that has support, I know in this room among both supporters of Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton makes clear that corporations are not people, that money is not speech, and that we hear all of the millions of people that are marching in this country that want those of us, the leaders of the Democratic Party, to say, we hear you, millions of people in the streets means more than millions of dollars put into the pockets of Republicans by the Koch brothers and the corporate special interests. Thank you, and I hope that this can be supported unanimously so we can send a strong message to the people of our country. Thank you. 
And I couldn't believe that you um, that you remembered me and recognized me for that. That had been a year prior. Um, and ever since then, I've been impressed uh, with you that you cared enough about that process and that you um, uh, apparently are brilliant and had such an, a fantastic memory to, to remember you know, one of the many, many people that were involved in the process there. Oh, well now, okay. This is the end of the interview. I got what I needed to hear from you. I'm brilliant. Goodbye. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was really exciting. You know, the, the primary was wrapping up. It was a huge priority of, of Bernie's and of the progressive movement to make sure that the um, Democratic National Party platform reflected the amazing grassroots energy and progressivism uh, that we saw, that we had been seeing, you know, the previous year throughout the country. And um, we, we got some we got some great achievements, and then we also had some very disappointing um, uh, defeats by, you know, the more establishment folks in the room. But overall, um, we actually ended up passing the most progressive platform in history, and uh, we're really – I was really proud of that, and we were really excited to accomplish that. Yeah, I'm such a nerd, so I was watching the Democratic Platform Committee meetings, um, you know, on my laptop, and I was very uh, moved by lots of people, um, by you, Ben Jealous, Nina Turner, Cornell West, Nomiki Konst. Um, there was also a, uh, just so people know, I'm not just a Bernie bro. Uh, there was a, an African-American woman who was a nurse who was a Hillary person. She was speaking on behalf of Medicare for all. And I recognized her at the Democratic, um, National Convention. So she was also excited. So maybe she can run for office too. If my, you know, my, just, maybe my recognizing people empowers them to run. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, that that list you just put me on with those amazing people uh, certainly is very flattering, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, speaking of Medicare for All on that committee, um, obviously that was one of our big priorities was to get that in the, the national platform. Um, it unfortunately did not pass. Now, this was, like I said, what, summer of, of 2016. Um, but it has been amazing um, how much momentum the movement has built since then. Obviously, I was supporting that long before that particular meeting. Um, uh, but since then, um, when I announced my campaign a year ago, the, the, the DC, you know, consultant class and establishment class, they told me a couple things about my campaign that I absolutely under no circumstances should ever do if I ever wanted to get elected in Kansas or really anywhere. The first thing was they said you absolutely cannot support Medicare for all. Wow. And the second thing they said was you can't put your um, issues on your website. They said because they said nobody cares about the issues and it'll just be fodder for your opponents to attack you. Wow. Well, I didn't believe either one of those things. I, I started running strongly on Medicare for all from day one. I, of course, put my entire platform on my on my website because I'm proud of it. And since then... Um, the momentum for Medicare for All has been uh, unlike anything we ever could have imagined. Two-thirds of the Democrats in the House of Representatives have um, co-sponsored Medicare for All, um, and it was put into the Kansas Democratic Party platform. Wow. So we have Medicare for All in the Kansas Democratic Party platform a year after it wasn't even able to pass at the national uh, party level. Wow. And every single day of uh, the polls in my district for the general election, obviously also for the primary, um, show that it's enormously popular. And um, this is one of those things that if we flip the House, which the only way we're going to do it is to flip a district like exactly like this one, this is one of the top swing districts in the country. If we flip the House, and then I'm sure we're going to have to elect a, a, you know, a president that will sign it, 
this is exactly the kind of thing that we absolutely can pass in short order. Right. Also, the thing is that even, you know, lots of people say, oh, what's the point of this? We have Trump in the White House. But, you know, you have to shift the Overton window, right? You have to shift what becomes normal, what becomes the mainstream. And so framing Medicare for all as something that's non-negotiable for the Democrats um, makes it that much more of a mainstream issue, and then it makes it that much uh, harder for people to reject it. Um, and then it's ready, like the world is ready for when there is a Democratic president or when there is um, the possibility to actually implement it. Absolutely. And that goes for this issue, it goes for so many other issues. Yes. It, you know, so, so I've been, I'm a labor lawyer. Um, before, um, before that, I was a grassroots organizer. So I was one of the first um, organizers on Barack Obama's campaign in the Iowa caucus, one of the first organizers on John Kerry's campaign. Um, I was national field director for the Teamsters Union. And, um, you know, what I've, but what I've seen over the last 10 years is that Democrats, and I mean, it's obvious, have been losing and losing and losing and losing and losing. We've, we've lost the House. We've lost the Senate. We've lost the, the White House. We, we have a, you know, more conservative Supreme Court than ever before. And, um, uh, you know, and and it's not because we've been running, you know, bold progressive candidates. It's precisely because we have not been running bold progressive candidates. We've been, you know, every time the, that the Democratic Party runs a candidate who tries to say I'm not much different than the Republicans, it's, it's a tacit endorsement of the Republican agenda. And people every time are going to vote for the, the devil they know over the devil they don't. And um, it's just a pathway uh, right. that we can't continue to go on. Yeah. I used to think that Democrats were just like, um, not different enough from Republicans, not aggressive enough, a little spineless, but I think the, the election of Donald Trump actually demonstrated how Democrats failure to be better actually led to Donald Trump's. I mean, obviously there are lots of things, but I do think that. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I was, um, national field director for the Teamsters, um, union, it was when, it was a general election when, when Barack Obama was running against John McCain. And my job was to get as many of our over a million Teamster members to vote for Obama and other pro-labor candidates. Well, we pulled our membership, and um, John McCain was actually beating um, Barack Obama among our members at the time. But we pushed a message of economic populism. We talked about um, you know, the, the progressive economic portions of Barack Obama's agenda. We told our members they have to look past, you know, the right wing wedge issues, social wedge issues, because their their own family's financial security was on the line. And um, and Barack Obama ended up winning. Uh, we re, we retold our membership at the end of the election, right before Election Day. And Obama won among our members by a margin of 75 to 25 after we pushed a, a, a progressive economic um, message. But then so many of those. Teamsters, so many other millions of people across the country that voted for Barack Obama, then voted for Donald Trump last time. And I think it's because, you know, the, the Democratic Party has had a messaging problem over the last decade of, of straying from the, the populist, the progressive economic platform. And what that does is it opens up bigots um, like Donald Trump to take advantage of, of racism and, and social uh, right wing wedge issues. And um, I'll tell you, these people, these millions of people across the country, these thousands and thousands and thousands of people in Kansas that voted for Barack Obama and then Donald Trump, they are not the country club Republican types. They're right. not like 
the type that the, the national party thinks is the type that, you know, we're going to be able to, to get to vote for Democrats. They are working families. They are working people. I knock doors all the time around here. I go to events all the time. I meet people. These are working families. They're working people that believe in, in, um, uh, you know, they believe in a more progressive economic agenda than, than certainly, um, a lot of the, the corporate, uh, you know, Republican country club types do. Right. And they can be won back. Yes. They can, we can bring yeah. them back to the Democratic Party like Obama did. Um, there is this narrative that they're, you know, they're irredeemable, that there's a, a kind of irredeemable white working class um, voting block that we shouldn't chase. Um, Democrats shouldn't chase. But it seems like the issues that appeal to those people are the same issues that appeal to work, working Americans of all backgrounds and the issues that you would need to pursue to appeal to the, you know, the moderate Republicans or the country club Republicans, as you call them, are not issues that would empower most people. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, all, all, all we have to think about is if, if they voted for Barack Obama, then why on earth would we give up on them to bring them back to the Democratic Party? It right. doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Right. Um, and, you know, I've been a union organizer. I've been a, as a as a lawyer. I've been a labor lawyer. I was I was national designated legal counsel for a, a, an international labor union. Um, I've spent more days and hours and evenings and, and you know, fish fries at uh, labor union halls around this country than, you know, probably most people running for office. Um I've, I've been knocking doors. We've been running a grassroots first campaign here. And these folks, they're not, they're not party first. They're right. not party first. What they are is they have been suffering and struggling and getting a raw deal by a system that is completely rigged against them because of big money in politics, because of the giant corporations, the billionaires that are, that are rigging our, our economy. And the way they're able to do it is by taking a small percentage of those enormous profits that they're stealing from us and paying off politicians to write laws that protect that system, the rigged system. And they are ready to support someone who's willing to fight back and, and stand up for them. Um, but if you don't, if you don't give them specifics like Medicare for all, $15 minimum wage, debt free college, and actually really working to fight to get big money out of politics and rejecting it for your own campaign. If you don't run on that kind of stuff, then they just think you're the same old kind of politician they've been hearing from for the last 20 years that hasn't done a damn thing for them. Right. And you, um, so your issues, because you, d- you uh, did not, luckily, you did not take the uh, Beltway Insider um, Washington, D.C. advice. You did list your issues, as you say, on your website. And they include um, fighting for a $15 minimum wage, fighting for um, worker, middle-class workers and labor, fighting for Medicare for all, fighting for debt-free college, and fighting for the environment, to protect the environment, veterans benefits and common sense gun reform. But what's really interesting, of course, is that, um, as we know, like economic issues really do have effects on are, are related to gender issues and racial issues, um, racial justice and gender uh, equality issues. So you also have an issue which is fighting for women's equality. And you say in our rigged economy, the average woman makes 80 cents for every dollar a man makes in the same job with misogynist Donald Trump as president. It's now more important than ever to draw a line in the sand on women's rights. Brent pledges to stand up to Trump and support equal wages for equal work. He also believes in a woman's right to choose and will fight all efforts to defund community health centers such as Planned Parenthood. Well, and, and there's and that's one issue that um, that they also told me not to run on was they said, well, you know, keep it quiet about, you know, you being strongly pro-choice. Well, right. That's, that's absurd. And, um, you know, and, and it's amazing because I've worked in 
you know, as a, as a, as a community organizer, grassroots organizer, I've worked in probably a dozen states or more around the country, you know, supporting Democrats and progressive causes. And, um, there, basically every place I've ever been, I thought it was always assumed that anybody running as a Democrat was, was pro-choice right. and that it would be certainly the exception, um, to have a, a Democrat who was not. But what I found um, when I started running for office here in Kansas, um, is that I routinely got the question from people as to whether I was pro-choice because there's so many candidates, even Democrats, that, that are not or that are afraid to talk about it. And so that's one thing that, um, that's been really important to me to, to highlight in the campaign. Right. Uh, do you feel like people aren't ready? I mean, do you feel like it alienates people? What's your experience been? Not at all. No, I, um, I mean, if you, I mean, just, I mean, first of all, that's an issue, you know, women's privacy and women's rights are, is an issue that is, um, something that it, you cannot compromise on. Um, that should not be, uh, should not even be on the table for discussion. Um, secondly, if people are worried about the polls, the polls show that my district is overwhelmingly pro-choice anyway. And frankly, that Americans are overwhelmingly pro-choice. And, um, yes, yeah, is there a vo- very vocal, minority of people who, you know, make, um, anti-choice be, you know, as their number one issue. Yes, there is, but, uh, the vast majority of Americans want privacy rights. And I'll tell you what, now that this, this horrific situation is occurring with the Supreme court where we might be on the verge of having, where we are very, and I don't know if people realize how serious this is. Um, we are on the verge of having a Supreme Court that is going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, there is, I mean, Kennedy, who's retiring, was was the, the swing vote that um, everyone believed was protecting Roe v. Wade. And there's no reason to think at all that, um, you know, that the Supreme Court is going to end up now under Donald Trump with a, a court that will protect women's right to choose. That and so many other rights are on the chopping block. Um, and it's, 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 extremely serious and um you know just another another sad um result of um the situation we're in where democrats have not been been willing to run on an agenda that the people support um boldly and so now we're in this mess where where the republicans are running the country right um so you also fight you are committed to fighting for racial justice um, it says black. Uh, so Brent knows that Black Lives Matter. He's committed to stopping unconstitutional police violence and brutality. Brent understands that racial justice extends to creating more equitable legal, political, and economic systems. He's running for Congress to fix our rigged economy that results in lower wages, unsafe workplaces, and discriminatory hiring practices for minority workers. He's- so this is so so this is something that's so extremely important to me. Um, you know, I also have another section on immigration reform as well, which I know is also racial justice. There, I mean, whether it's Black people, Latino people, Asian people, Native American people, um, you know, white people, I, I don't, whatever race, um, people are suffering in this country. Unfortunately, um, racial minorities are suffering even more. Um, uh, they, you know, and women are suffering even more. I mean, all of these issues are, are interconnected um, because women are making 80 cents on the dollar for what for what men make. And. You know, if you're black or Latino um, in this country or, or another, you know, racial minority, you're making less money for the same for the same work. And it's completely unacceptable. And what I have found is that, um, you know, since I'm running on a platform that's unlike 
one anyone has ever tried before in this district of really lifting up the middle class, lifting up the poor, really creating equality through, um, you know, Medicare for all, uh, which is single payer healthcare for every single woman, man and child in this country, no matter their gender, no matter their race, no matter obviously their sexual orientation. Um, when I'm talking about $15 minimum wage, which, um, you know, puts everyone on a, on a, on a more level playing field and boosts the local economy. These are issues that especially people that have been getting the rawest deals, the people that have had the system rigged against them the most, um, uh, you know, are supporting and are, and are hopeful for and are coming out to vote for and be involved in the process. Um, I've been endorsed by, um, uh, uh, Wandra Minor, who's the former president of the NAACP in the biggest county in my district. I've been endorsed by uh, Nathaniel McLaughlin, who's the, um, the former NAACP president of, in the other major county in my district. Um, I've been endorsed by Dr. Cornell West. I've been endorsed by, um, you know, these amazing civil rights leaders, um, Reverend Daryl Gray, who is one of the leaders of the Black Lives Matters movement. Um, and, you know, they are, they are such uh, important allies of mine in this fight for racial economic justice. Um, and they, you know, and they understand that so many people do in this country that until we have politicians that are running on bold agendas that are directly focused on helping lift up the middle class and the poor, um, then we're not going to, we're certainly not going to accomplish it from a policy perspective. And, and we're also going to continue to lose these elections um, because we're not giving people any, any hope. Also, you have uh, love is love. Brent believes that all people, regardless of sexual orientation or gender identity, deserve equal rights and protection at work, in our communities and at home. Brent has always supported LGBTQ rights. As a community organizer, he helped fight the battle for marriage equality from the very beginning. He also worked with Congressman Patrick Murphy to repeal the discriminatory Don't Ask, Don't Tell law that banned openly gay and bisexual people from military service. So Patrick Murphy... Um years ago, uh, was a young Iraq war veteran, um, had never run for office before. He was running in the Philadelphia suburbs uh, against an incumbent Republican in a heavily registered Republican district. Um, and he is, you know, he ran on a lot of progressive ideas. And one of the things he was dedicated to was LGBTQ um, equality and rights. And he ended up... Uh, you know, we ran a grassroots campaign. We ended up defeating that Republican incumbent. Um, we got in there and Patrick and I worked in his office for a while and he, you know, ended up leading the fight to overturn Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, and, you know, he had a lot of, I think he had especially a lot of credibility on it. One, because he had already been, um, right. you know, such a, uh, such an activist and, and champion of, of equality with the LGBTQ community. Um, but also with him being an Iraq war veteran, you know, it gave, it, he had, he was in a unique position to really show leadership on, on overturning the don't ask, don't tell law that obviously applies to the military. Right. And, um, you know, and with me being a labor lawyer, um, you know, that's an, this is another, just one of several reasons, um, that I'm running is I've seen how so many places in this country, um, including right here in Kansas, it is completely, perfectly legal to discriminate against somebody because um, of their sexual orientation. And that is completely unacceptable. Um, it's a civil rights issue. It's a 
Um, it's an issue of, of equality and that people should be treated equally under the law, no matter what, um, you know, gender, race, sexual orientation they are, um, sexual identity. And, uh, and with, and a lot of people don't realize that it's perfectly legal to discriminate against, um, a lesbian or gay or bisexual, transgender, you know, queer, um, person. They don't, they don't realize that that is, um, that that is legal, that that is perfectly legal because most people think it should not be legal. Right. And when you get out there and you actually are willing to talk about these issues and talk to people and let them know about the discrimination that is perfectly legal and it's happening every day, you see that people are really dedicated to, um, to, to getting the change that we need on that issue. You grew up, um, with, in a family that really was struggling economically and you, um, had how many siblings did you have? So I have four, four, uh, four siblings. I have three sisters and a brother. And, um, when I was little, um, you know, my, uh, my, <laughs> my mom used to always feed us hot dogs all the time. And I thought it was because she loved us. Right. I love hot dogs. Pro hot dog. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and what I, what I ended up finding out when I got older, um, because, you know, she, she shielded us from the, you know, kind of the financial stress that, right. that our family was going through. Um, I found out that it was because there was a special at the local grocery store every week of, you know, the 64 pack of hot dogs and that that was one of the, you know, few things that she could afford to, to feed to us. Right. And, you know, I didn't even know this until I was an adult, but, you know, when we didn't know this, but she was standing in line for um, heating assistance um, from the government to get us through the cold winter. Um, and, uh, but, you know, she was, she was hardworking. She was optimistic. Um, she's a social worker. She, um, you know, kept, kept her kids happy and healthy and made sure that we got, you know, good public educations and, and, and worked hard and took her education seriously. And I was able to go to a public, um, university for, for college and, and, and go on to law school. And, um, you know, uh, it's, it's something that sticks with me every day because, um, the, there's too many politicians in this country that are only representing the donor class, the, the giant corporations, the billionaires, and forgetting about the rest of us. Um, and that's, that's what I'm, that's what I'm fighting against. And I'm so proud that, you know, my campaign, we don't take corporate PAC money. We've actually had now over 19,000 people around the country, um, donate small dollar donations to our campaign. We have an average donation now of $26. Um, and if people can go to brentwalder.com slash donate to chip in, um, you know, we have to work harder than anyone else to, to get right. the, the resources we need to fund our field program and ads and everything because we don't take corporate PAC money and it would be an enormous help, um, you know, at this critical moment of our campaign. And uh, can you just tell us about the, uh, you got a special bit, uh, visit, right, for uh, one of your rallies from Bernie Sanders and yes. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who both of whom have endorsed you. Um, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, after I got endorsed, I got endorsed by, by both of them in the same week. This was a huge week for our campaign. Um, it was the week that, right, that, that she actually won her race. In fact, I believe I was endorsed by Bernie Sanders just a day or two before she won her race. And uh-huh. then she endorsed me after she won. Um, and, uh, you know, I invited them to come, uh, campaign with me right here in the Kansas Third district. They were here on Friday. We had an amazing, um, exciting rally with thousands of people. 
Um, we talked about the common values that bond people from coast to coast in this country and, and right here in the Midwest. And, um, and people, I felt like, you know, were really, really left, left the event really full of hope and, and inspired. And we've had hundreds of people sign up locally to volunteer and, and, um, uh, lots and lots of small dollar donations come in from around the country since then. Uh, maybe I'm breaking a little bit of news here, but I think we've, um, raised almost a hundred thousand dollars in small dollar donations just since that rally last Friday. Wow. In the last five days around the country. Um, and so people are really inspired and hopeful that we can win in any district in the country, including right here in Kansas on a progressive platform. Um, I'm beating the Republican incumbent by seven points for the general. We need to get into the, we need to get to the general, get through this primary right. just to make sure we can make that happen. And, um, it, it's just been unbelievable. And I'll tell you, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I already was enormously impressed and I thought she was one of the most impressive people in the country. And then after spending time with her on Friday, um, she blew me away even more than I ever imagined with her, um, intelligence, gravitas, um, um, just how genuine she was, yeah. how caring, uh, and loving she is toward, you know, uh, other people and toward, toward the progressive movement. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's so fascinating. You know, people are saying these issues don't won't work in Kansas and the Midwest, or they're saying, um, you know, uh, it, you know, there there won't be any positive response to this. And then you guys had to move the venue, right? It was so overcrowded. Well, so that was so that was the other. They had, they did a rally for my friend James oh, Thompson, who's running in Kansas. That was the other one. But I will tell you, we clearly should have taken his lead and moved our venue because. People were, it was, we ended up having to remove all the seats from the, the room we were in, the auditorium, and we had to take down a huge wall. Wow. Um, and still people were packed in like sardines, and I felt like it was 100 degrees in there, and everybody was sweating and, and shoulder to shoulder. So um, the, it was, we got a way, way bigger turnout than we ever could have imagined. Right. And, um, and so many of those people, you know, turned into volunteers and supporters and voters that there's actually early voting going on right now. And we've been reaching out to everyone and people are casting their ballots and they're signing up to, um, we already have hundreds of shifts filled for, for get out the vote canvassing and, and phone calls. Actually, people around the country can, um, can, uh, volunteer on our campaign as well by doing phone calls if they go to brentwelder.com slash volunteer. Uh, we have a program where Folks around the country can help by, um, you know, making the important phone calls that, that we need in this grassroots campaign. Um, and yeah, so, so we should have taken right. his lead and, and switched venues. We didn't, uh, but luckily we were able to remove a bunch of seats and take down a wall. So that must have been exciting. You will move walls for this campaign. Um, <laughs> there you go. Exactly. There you go, right? And um, it's, it's so great because, you know, here you have a, a Jewish guy from Brooklyn and a Puerto Rican woman from the Bronx drawing these incredible crowds in Kansas, which really shatters a lot of the stereotypes about the people of Kansas, I think. Um, absolutely. And, um, you know, uh, Alexandria and I have had lengthy discussions even, you know, before she came to town here. And one thing that we were both so excited about and that we were talking about is, you know, we wonder when the last time that a, a congressman from Kansas uh, teamed up with a congresswoman from New York, um, you know, to really pass some, some real progressive legislation in Congress. And it, if it's ever happened, I'm sure it's been a long, long time and, and we're looking forward to doing just that. And, 
And frankly, I think it's, you know, hopefully, I, I hope that it inspires people around the country, no matter where you live. I don't care where you live. I don't care what district you're in. I don't care if you're in a, a state that's red, blue, or purple. Um, I hope you, you know, everyone listening to this realizes that if you get involved with a, 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 a progressive candidate that's, that's not corrupted, that's not accepting corporate PAC money, that's running a grassroots campaign, that's focusing on, on, you know, progressive values that, that inspire hope and, and voter turnout and activism that we can win, uh, in any district in America. And when we win this, this race, um, you know, uh, when we win this primary in two weeks, when we win the general against this right wing, um, re- Republican that was just endorsed by Donald Trump the other day that I'm running against, that I'm beating in the polls. When we win this district, it will turn heads across the country. And I hope it will inspire, continue to inspire hope and build on the momentum of um, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez's win. Great. So and- please go to brentwelder.com slash donate. I can't say that enough. We're relying on lots and lots of small dollar donations from regular people that want to change this country. Um, my opponent is raking in corporate PAC money as we speak. Um, most of his money comes from PACs. Most of the PACs are corporate PACs. Um, but uh, we're fighting back, and we've actually um, been setting records. Last quarter, we raised more money than any Democratic um, challenger in the history of my district. Um, uh, and we did it through, you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of small dollar donations at rentwelder.com slash donate. And you are someone who, you have a, a couple of, you have multiple, uh, opponents in the primary. You are though, you're really focused on the issues. You're not being, um, getting into any like spats or petty, um, internecin, uh, battles, fights. But I do want to know why should people support you in the primary? Well, here's the thing. You're right. I, you know, it's been a very, very important to me for the entirety of this campaign um, to, I, and I really believe that the Democratic Party should do this nationwide, run on the issues, run on optimism and hope, inspire hope in people. Um, I am so proud of um, that, that I have been able to, to, to get the support of, of the people here with a with a bold progressive agenda that really, you know, talks about the values that are so important that talks about truth and justice. Um, and, um, you know, I, I, uh, couldn't be more inspired by the thousands of volunteers, the tens of thousands of small dollar donors right here in the third district across Kansas and across the country that have pitched in what they can to help. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, you know, people should vote for me in the primary and in the general if they think that this is the direction that our country needs to go and that it and that it's good policy and that it's also the way to inspire hope and increase voter turnout in the general election to make sure we win these important swing districts. And what's the significance of um, the fact that you're di- that the district you're running in is held by a Republican, went for Bernie Sanders in the primary and Hillary Clinton in the general? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, you know, like you said, there's only there's only five districts like that held by a Republican in the entire country. And, um, you know, it shows that there that it's certainly winnable, that um, there's a, a good progressive base of, of folks um, here in this district. Um, this and I and maybe I should spend some time explaining to people how important it is that we win this particular district. So there's only two dozen districts around the country, approximately, that are held by Republicans that Hillary Clinton won in the general. And we need to win back about, and we need to win back about two dozen seats um, to flip the house and, and be able to really put a final stop to the Donald Trump agenda and hopefully 
ideally, you know, elect a progressive majority and really start making movement on, on some of these important issues. And so, um, you know, this was a, a top targeted red to blue, you know, DCCC district last time. Um, this is going to be, this is like literally one of the top most important districts that we need to focus on in the country to flip. Um, they, I believe it's the Cook Political Report had um, my opponent as one of the top six most vulnerable Republicans in the country. Um, he won with only 51% of the vote last time. And, um, and I'm beating him in the polls by seven points. And it's the largest, and it's the largest lead among Democrats nationally because, um, he supports Donald Trump every single time and the giant corporations and the billionaires. But Donald Trump is extremely unpopular in this district. And, um, and, you know, and I, and I've been working really hard for a year to run this grassroots campaign and inspire hope and increase voter turnout among folks that haven't had hope in a long time. And, and, um, because of, you know, the help of all of our supporters around the district and around Kansas and around the country. Um, I think it's really working. Last question. How old are your daughters and what's it like for them? Are they excited about, oh, by your campaign? Thank you so much for asking. Um, it always brings a smile to my face. Yes, Eleanor is five and Janie is two. Oh, so and we have one and we have uh, one on the way. Oh, congrats. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and um, they are super excited. Uh, they are just at the age where you know, they don't hear, you know, obviously when you're running for office, there's, there's going to be, you know, Republican trolls and other right. people out there throwing criticism. Uh, they don't hear any of the criticisms, but they are beautiful, um, uh, spirited young, young girls. And they are in my TV ad with me and my wife and them saying, yes, we can this together. I'm Brent Welder and we approve this message because yes, we can this. Nice. And they've been telling me that their friends and teachers at school have been telling them that um, they saw them on TV and they're very excited about that. But yeah. you know what they're most excited about um, is just the small pleasures of life, being able to show me, you know, the, the latest picture that they drew at school, um, playing a game of guess who or shoots and uh, ladders uh, with me at home. I mean, obviously, um, the campaign is just kind of an interesting little side thing to them right. um and and for me clear i mean i'm telling you family is by far by far the most important thing and um you know i'm just luckily i have a, a strong amazing wife who is um uh, who is a full-time lawyer full-time mom full-time political spouse and pregnant and has just been the strongest, most amazing person. She reminds me of my own mother. Yeah. Um, in the sense that she's just been so strong through this process. And, um, you know, and it is, it is, I'll be honest with you, it's, it, it is a sacrifice. And I always kind of hated it when, before I ran for office, when, when I would hear politicians say that and I'd be like, and I'd kind of think, oh yeah, you know, you know, boo-hoo, uh, you right. know, tell us how hard it is being. But, but it really, um, you know, I have to, I have to eat crow a little bit because, you know, I don't get as much time with my daughters as, as I would want. Um, it is um, tiring and and stressful. It, it, it's the most exciting and most terrifying thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. It makes it a whole lot easier when there's progressive fighters around the country and around Kansas um, and volunteers and supporters that have your back in this thing because we are going to move walls, move right. mountains, um, prove, prove 
that we can win in any district across this country. Um, I think that's why our campaign has been catching on so much, um, not just locally, but nationally. I think that's why so many people have gone to BrentWalter.com to donate, to volunteer, um, because it, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of us chipping in a little bit each. Um, and, and I haven't even talked to, you know, there's a million other things people do. They, they, they post on social media and talk to their friends about us and everything. Um, and every little action that somebody takes helps make our country a little bit better. And I am one of those people that's optimistic, even though, um, you know, the Republicans are controlling things. We have, um, you know, maybe possibly the worst president we've had in history in the White House right now. Um, uh, I'm optimistic that we can achieve the change that we've been fighting for for so long, um, as long as people don't give up hope and continue to fight with us. Well, thank you so much, uh, Brent Welder, for talking to us. And uh, make sure you have a Facebook page too, right? Oh, yes. It's uh, Welder for Congress. And my Twitter is at Brent Welder. Um, and the website is BrentWelder.com. Um, and uh, Katie, I'll just tell you, it's so great. You know, uh, over a year ago, I started my campaign by talking to you. I think you actually were I, I specifically remember you were going to try to interview yeah. me at that time. Yeah, and, and then we were at the Bernie. Um, one of us went to a speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We went to the Bernie uh, speech right. and um, and couldn't make it happen. But it's so neat that now we've come full circle, um, and that you're willing to have me on at the end because we've caught on, uh, you know, so much around the, uh, you know, around the country, and that your listeners are interested in listening to uh, to me talk for for uh, a long time about about our campaign. And I just appreciate um, everything you're doing that you always have done and that, you know, progressives and, and folks around the country are doing every day to help make our country a better place. Thanks so much. Yeah. Well, best of luck and we'll keep um, we'll keep listeners informed. Thank you so much. Talk okay. to you later. Great. Bye. Bye. That was Brent Welder, a candidate for Kansas's third congressional district. And now I'm playing my interview with. James Thompson, a candidate for Kansas's 4th Congressional District. I've always hated the abuse of power. Um, you know, I believe in holding those in power accountable for their actions. And so um, in 2006, I had uh, the parents of a young man come in to me to talk to me about their son who had just been put in the hospital with severe internal injuries, and he, you know, they were worried he might die. Um because a police officer here in uh, our police department had picked him up and slammed him across the back of the car so hard that it caused severe internal injuries. Wow. Um, and he was in uh, ICU for six weeks. And you know, after they did surgery on his intestines, Jeez. he had swollen so much that they couldn't close the, oh um, the wound. And so it had to remain open oh for several weeks while his body um, was able to reduce the swelling and everything else. Well, you, you would think, okay, well, that kind of an injury, what did he, he must have done something. No, his, his friend was being arrested and he asked the officer what, um, or if they were going to arrest his friend uh, for parking in a handicapped spot. And the officer told him to F off. And then he said, look, I just want to know so I can get a ride home. And the officer said to F off again, and so he started to walk away. Um, and the officer says that the my client bumped into his arm uh, with his chest, and so he picked him up and threw him down on the back of a car. 
And right. my client weighed about 130 pounds and this officer weighed 275 pounds without adding in the equipment and everything right. else that he had on. So, um, that is kind of how I got started in it. Uh, we settled out that case and then my name got in the newspaper because of the settlement. And then at that point, everybody in Wichita started calling, um, because we don't have, you know, hardly any civil rights attorneys here mm. and they're expensive cases to take and they're hard to take. Uh, then we started having a rash of shootings with our police department here. And this was you know, prior to Ferguson. Um, you know, I was, um, going after some of the problems that we had in our police department. Our police department here had a shooting to officer death ratio, um, uh, that was 13 times higher. So we had five shootings in 2012 that resulted in people being killed. Wow. You know, Detroit had three that year. Wow. Um, and Detroit had um, three times more people than we had. Chicago had eight that year. And they've got 12,000 police officers. We've got 600. So, wow. you know, we had wow. a real problem here. And um, I was one of the people. Uh, we had a, a great activist community here that was, uh, standing up and saying, you know, look, we've got problems. This is not right. This is not, you know, what's going on here. We need cameras. We help lead the charge on that. And then, you know, we just had the swatting shooting here where the, um, gamer in California called in and said that he was holding uh, people hostage and he had shot somebody and they showed up and he gave him a, a fake address that was here in Wichita the officer showed up, the guy came that lived there, came out on the porch, didn't know what was going on. And, and he got shot and killed. Wow. And that problem, you know, lied directly with our city council. And so I went in front of the city council and uh, told them and, and the entire city that the blood was on the city council's hands because they had failed to properly provide the training that officers needed because mm -hmm. our officers were only getting one tenth of the training budget they need. So, yeah. Sorry, I could go on for and on. No, about yeah, it's, it's disturbing. Yeah, so, of course, and and the idea yeah. that like as if you know, I mean, what the whole point of being a police officer is that you're supposed to not that you're supposed to be able to handle these situations. So even if your client had run into the officer or punched him or something, you don't have to throw him into a car so hard that he his internal organs uh, right. swell up. Right, and and you don't need to you know shoot a mentally right. ill woman. You know, or uh, yeah. um, a mentally ill man that, you know, is uh, suicidal. And so, right. you know, these are some of the kinds of cases that I've handled. And Jesus, yeah. the the problem, though, is not just with the you know, individual officer that did the shooting, but it's also with the, the training and that we're supposed to have 1.6 million in uh, funds for our police department here uh, for training, and they get 160,000. Mm. So one tenth of the budget. Um People think that because I, I've sued police officers that I hate them, and it's actually the opposite. But we have to hold them accountable because they have the power, literally, of life and death over right. us. And so if there's a question about the, whether they've done something wrong, we need to hold them accountable because if we don't, you can't trust your police department. Right. So um, yeah, there that is would be no one, kind of one thing I would, besides yeah, the I would training, want that right? to make sure that gets out there because – uh, people have a, m a misconception that I must hate police officers, and it's actually just right. the opposite. So, uh, right? Yeah, but I mean, there is a culture of impunity right outside of the the training issue, but that's from the higher ups. I mean, they have the responsibility. Well, that's, of 
that also kind of plays into one of the reasons I wanted to run for office because of the cases we've been seeing coming down from the Supreme Court has whittled away at our civil rights and in, in mm. protecting the officers to the extent that they made it almost impossible to sue them for a constitutional violation. Right. So, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I've been practicing law for uh, almost 16 years now. Um, and I wanted to maybe get on the other side of helping develop the law to make sure we had better laws to enforce. Mm-hmm. So, so the civil rights laws or civil rights laws. I mean, not just civil rights, but, uh, you know, that is definitely one of the areas that I think that we need to uh, work on and make sure that we're protecting. And what are the other areas? Uh, well, I mean, that, that gets into you know, all of the things that we're running on, making sure that we've got uh, a Medicare for all system mm-hmm. um, that where everybody's entitled to get health care. Um, mm-hmm. Making sure that, you know, we have an education system that doesn't result in um, people coming out of college with, you know, like I did with $120,000 in debt and not going to pay it off until I'm 65. Right. So. There's things that we need to work on to make things better. And, and one of the first things needs to be the manner in which we um, conduct our elections. You know, the, uh, we need to get corporate PAC money out of our elections and stop buying off politicians. Um, we need them to be representing the people in their district, not just big corporations who happen to donate money to them. Um, having a national election day, because if we can, if we can fix the election system, then we can fix the problems in the system. But until that system is fixed, we're going to have trouble fixing the problems because of uh, the corporate PAC money and special interest money that's flowing around out there. You ran in a special election um, and you almost beat your Republican opponent. You came a lot closer than people thought. Um, What did you learn from that in terms of uh, moving forward for your own campaign, but also what can other progressives learn from that? And, And why will this time be different? Well, it, the the district that I ran in, Hillary had just lost by 27 points to Trump. Um, the the Democrat that had ran against Mike Pompeo lost by 30 points, and you know I was told I didn't have a snowball's chance in hell of winning in this deep red district. I wouldn't come within 20 points. Um, you know, for me that's like okay, challenge accepted, and here hold my beer, and right. we're going right. to do this. Um, the beer. thing that that people can learn uh, one is is they need to start like on the national level when people are looking at what races to support, you know, with the national organizations like the DNC and, and stuff like that. They need to maybe actually go into a district or send somebody into a district before they start making assumptions about it. Um, because for me, when I was deciding to run, I was looking at all of the other things, you know, that we'd had going on. We had just had 13 of our legislatures that uh, legislators that had been elected uh, as Democrats in 2016 which was more than any other state in the country as far as the percentage, making up the percentage of our legislature. Um, we just had a women's march of 5,000, which for Wichita, that's a, that's yeah. a big march. Um, we'd had a, um, a Black Lives Matter uh, march and, and First Steps barbecue with our police department that got national attention. And there was this progressive energy that was on the ground here. And um, I knew that we had uh, a way to do better. Um, we ran really hard. The problem is, is with a special election here, you only had we only had sixty days to, to do this, mm-hmm. and we were the first special election after Trump. So you know, people were looking at it as, okay, well, you're going to get blown out. 
Right. We came within six points. Um, and actually, we were tied up until the week before. And then it took the president making robocalls, the vice president doing robocalls, Speaker Ryan fundraising, the RNC coming in and spending several hundred thousand dollars on advertisements, which several hundred thousand dollars in Wichita is, you know, <laughs> probably a million or you know, two yeah. million in, uh, yeah. on the coast. Right. And then, uh, you know, Ted Cruz came in and campaigned for uh, the guy I was running against. So then there was just me as far as mm-hmm. I didn't have any big, big name support coming in that, you know, the DNC didn't come in until the, the night before. Um, and they made some just generic robocalls. Right. So thanks so much. The, the thing it showed me, number one, uh, is if we're going to do it, we need to, you know, we can't count on anybody else to come in and help us. Um, two, we need to get out there and get the name recognition built up. So I, I immediately announced I was running again on the night that I lost. I didn't give a concession speech. I just announced that I was running again. Oh, nice. And went out there for the you know, past year and a half and talking to the rural counties where we weren't able to get, because my county or my district is 16 and a half counties. It takes two hours to get to the western edge. Um, I can't walk my district. So we were out in the counties over the past year and a half talking to people, talking to farmers, and really working to get that name recognition up and get people comfortable um, with voting for something other than a letter behind somebody's name. Uh And, you know, from what we're seeing, um, we are in a statistical, you know, dead heat essentially at this point. Um, We're within, right within the margin of error uh, in, in the polls that we've seen. So, um, we're excited. We're in a district that people still consider, you know, super red and unwinnable. We're statistically in a dead heat. So. And what, how can you push, what, what can people do to help? The things that people can do to help, um, they can go to our website at, um, votejamesthompson.com and they can sign up to phone bank. Um, they can sign up to do texting they can donate, of course. Donations are, you know, a, a big help because I don't take corporate PAC money, and I'm yeah. in the Koch's home district. This is the home uh-huh. of the Koch brothers. Wow. And, you know, having that money up against us is you know, going to be tough, but that's okay. I, I raised the same amount of money in that special election as my wow. uh, Republican opponent. The difference is I had 29,000 individual donations with an average of $28. Right. Where my opponent had 400 individual donations with an average of $1,100, and then another 450,000 in corporate PAC money that was donated to him. So you should hold a, around, a rally in front. Of, sorry, I cut you off. Uh, no, so we're going to um, do our best to um, you know raise money, but even if we can't outraise them, we're going to outwork them. So right, and out inspire them. And out inspire them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we, with that rally with Bernie and, and Alexandria here, we had 5,000 people at it. You know, we sold out the first venue in 10 hours and had to go to a larger venue. So, right. Um, you should do something in front of like the Coke's house. You should do like a fundraising <laughs> party or something like a dance with them. You, you, you can't, uh, you can't get in front of their house. They're, they own an entire corner in a busy area of the, the city that's walled off with cameras um and it's like 80 acres in the middle of the city so oh maybe you can like do it on the perimeter 
You could do a walkathon, <laughs> walkathon around the Koch's property. Um, it, it'll be interesting to see how things play out, particularly with the, with Trump and the Kochs, um now arguing with each other. That kind of leaves my opponent in a um, bit of a, a pickle because he doesn't know which master to serve at this All point. Right. So. <laughs> The Koch brothers are not happy about the tariffs, and so, um, the tariffs, right? Yeah, so they're saying that you know they don't support him, and so he's come out, and Trump has come out and said um, that the Koch brothers don't give a damn about them; they're not real Republicans. Um, oh, nice! And yeah, it's it's an you know it's it's a, tri- a typical Trump tweet attacking people. So right. it, I'm just you know eating my popcorn exactly. on the sidelines and watching it <laughs> that's what i was gonna say i'll hold you i'll hold your hold your beer and also get you some popcorn uh, yeah there um, you go <laughs> yeah that's that's so crazy what was it like to meet sanders and ocasio and to you know have them come down and and endorse you and and rally the troops rally the base it was it it was an amazing experience it was um uh, you know the energy and excitement that we had in the um, convention center here with you know, 5,000 people yelling and screaming was amazing. When people want to say that this is Trump country, I say hell no. He can win because on issue after issue, and never forget this, the people support the ideas that James is campaigning on. It's just the question of bringing them to the polls. We are going to show the world with James's victory. But whether you live in Vermont or the Bronx or Kansas, we share common hopes and aspirations that are much greater than the superficial differences that may separate us. In Kansas, we have families who cannot afford health care. That is a Kansas issue. That is a Vermont issue. 2018, we need to unite Senator Sanders came in and won two to one in our state. He showed that the progressive values that we're all talking about do matter in this state. With allies like Alexandria and James in the Congress, we are going to pass a Medicare for all. Alexandria was extremely warm and nice and um, just really genuine and authentic. Um, loved talking to her. Her staff is wonderful. Um, and then you know, Bernie, uh, I had met him once before, but I only had a couple of seconds to meet him um, two years ago when he was here. And so it was just basically, I shook his hand. I was kind of starstruck and I forgot to introduce my wife and daughter to him, which oh, I no. had not. Right. Doghouse. <laughs> you in the doghouse? Oh, I've been in the doghouse ever since then. And so oh, this good. time I made, you know, damn sure that they got a chance to meet him. So <laughs> nice. Um, I, I wouldn't be in the doghouse because my daughter, who was 12 at the time, was very, very much upset about not getting to meet him. So she got to meet both Bernie and uh, Alexandria. Thought it was very neat. Loved it. So dad is out of the doghouse, which is okay. good. And uh, Bernie was very warm and uh, nice and and funny. So Yeah. And you didn't need a translator for his accent? You can understand then which No, no, not at all. Um, okay. <laughs> you know, it's a, he made a comment about my cowboy shoes, which I thought was funny. And then, you know, I told him I had to wear, you know, my cowboy boots because the shit's so deep here. So Yeah. 
Nice. And and what about what's the difference between you and your uh, primary opponent? She takes corporate PAC money, um, supported by uh, some of the establishment people. The, you know, the the major difference is that you know I've been in my community for the past you know 25 years here, working with homeless veterans, working on civil rights cases, on the racial profiling advisory board. Um, actually working for my community. She has been in D.C. for the last 15 years and moved back just to run for office. Uh, so. okay. mm. Kind of like the Joe Crowley move, except he didn't even yeah. move back. He just spent his time in Virginia. Um, right. You're, you're Medicare for all, and she's kind of like tepid. Isn't she Isn't she one of those, oh, well, let's see where, where we can improve the ACA? Or am I wrong? Yes. I, yeah. Yeah, so no, no, she's, I mean, she's tepid. She'll, you know, if you push her on it, she'll say, well, you know, I believe that we need to have some kind of a, a, a system in place. Um, but she's trying to walk the middle ground and won't give you right. hard positions. Right. So. Which is, I thought we learned from 2016, maybe I'm wrong, or maybe not everyone learned it, but I thought we learned that these moderate positions that can't be turned into kind of a a values-based thing or even a slogan. And I don't mean a slogan that's like oversimplifying, but I, I don't understand why people are reluctant to say Medicare for all as a goal. Well, you always, you always yeah. try, I mean, for the, for the, the most that you can get and you know, you're not well, immediately ever going to get that either, but. Well, that's, and that's exactly the way I look at it is that, look, you know, I, as an attorney, when I go into a case, right. you know, if I think it's a hundred thousand dollar case, I don't go in and go, okay, well, you know, a hundred thousand dollars, because then they're just going to come back and go, well, I'll give you 20,000. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And they're going to cut me off at a hundred. So if I want a hundred, I'm going to start at a million. Right. Um, you know, so that there's somewhere to negotiate to. Now I think Medicare for all is the way forward, but we're going right. to have to probably jump through some hoops and, and take some steps to get there. You know, like with a public option, um, maybe being the first thing that gets put in place and people can see how much better Medicare is. But mm -hmm. you don't you don't aim lower just because somebody else may not like your position. So. Right. Right. And I think it inspires people like people like things that are, you know, I think it's good. Some people are like, oh, Bernie's so angry. No, there should be outrage. I mean, people are angry and they're hurting. The only question is where you direct it. And I think right. being outraged that people are dying in one of the ri richest countries in the world where they don't have to, like medically, they just are dying because they don't have the money or the coverage. That's something to be outraged about. Not well, you're not not about Mexicans being here, quote unquote, being here or not about Muslims. Um, I think that the Democrats have been so tone deaf to that. They think that the answer to to right wing pseudo populism and right wing anger is some kind of moderate. Um, America's already great stance. And to me, it seems obvious that that doesn't work. You have to go in the opposite well, direction. Right. I mean, you, you need to give people something to vote for rather than right. against. And, right. And, and so you, why would you, you want to run right. as, you know, if you're a voter and you have a Republican and then Republican light. Right. Why are you going to vote for the Republican light? Why, why wouldn't you just vote for the Republican if that's where your beliefs are? Um, and it just kind of discourages anybody from going out and voting that's a Democrat because they're like, okay, it's just more people that don't represent anything that I believe in. Right. So and I think that that's why I did so well because I'm the first person that's done it and people here are, were excited and motivated and wanted to hear something other than, you know, this ultra conservative rhetoric that we constantly hear here in Kansas. So, 
Right. Or just Trump is bad. I mean, he is bad, but that's not what you don't win elections on that. I don't even talk about Trump if I can avoid it. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, I, I, I talk about policies and how it's going to affect people and why it's it's important, you know, t- to look at a Medicare for all system, because it's not just morally right. It's also financially sound. Right. I mean, it makes more sense financially than what we're doing now. Right. You know, we it's, it's the same. It's investing in you know, America's future rather than investing in building a wartime economy. So, right. Yeah, and even that Koch brothers back study just pro- showed how much money would be saved with Medicare for all. <laughs> yeah, I loved it too. I mean, yeah. of course they're they're trumping in. Oh, it's going to cost this many trillions of dollars, which are their numbers are way out of whack. But um, even with their out of whack numbers, it still shows that it's financially better to do that. Right, and so if a Koch brothers study shows that, imagine how much it actually is. Um, right. Yeah. And then um, are you a socialist? I know that, I mean, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is a democratic socialist. Um, uh, Sanders no. is too. No, you're not. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a progressive. I mean, you know, I, I hate uh, all the labels that we have right. out there because they try to box you in with something. And I, I'm a progressive, I'm a Kansas Democrat and just trying to help working people. So. Right. And um, how has the DNC been or the DCCC? Um, they're actually paying attention. Um, oh, they're, what happened? Yeah. Um, I think that they're prob- we'll probably see some help out of them. Um, but at this point, you know, we've got a primary, so they're not really doing anything, which is appropriate. Right. They shouldn't be jumping sure, in the right. middle of a primary anyway. Um, Unless it's Cuomo anybody. and something Nixon, and in which case, you know, Tom Paris and... Anyway, not or to, Laura Moser, you know, I mean, they, yeah. you know, they went after Laura Moser. I mean, these, yeah. it's completely inappropriate uh, for them to be doing that. But right. um, we're told that they're keeping an eye on us and, you know, great. But, you know, I can't depend on anybody but you know, my campaign staff and the people here in Kansas. So right. if they don't come in. We're prepared for that. You know, if they do, great. I appreciate the help. So Right. And, and what about this idea? I mean, Ocasio-Cortez addressed this, that, you know, these things are New York, are Bronx issues. You know, she won because she's in the Bronx. Her ideas can't win. You know, ideas like Medicare for all can't win in Kansas City. She, of course, refi- rejected that. But what do you have to say to people about that, especially people listening in the coasts? Well, you know. Or not in the coasts. I think actually, the, the, well, people on the coast, you know, people in D.C. that, you know, are political pundits that, you know, are espousing all these views should probably take the time to actually come out to Kansas before right. they start running off at the mouth. Um, right. Because it's not enough to just have seen uh, Wizard of Oz, although it's a great movie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah they, you know, they, they see the Wizard of Oz and they think they know Kansas. Right. Um, but we knew that you know, Bernie and Ocasio coming in was going to be a good thing because Bernie won here two to one um, in the caucus. He was very popular here. And we knew that, you know, the messages that we're talking about of being um, of Medicare for all, of getting, you know, education uh, for everyone, for uh, raising the minimum wage, all of those things are, are important to people that are working people. We have a lot of working people here. So, um, that message, you know, flies 
just as well here as, as it does in the Bronx because we have working people in both cities. Right. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to have that girl from the Bronx come back out here. She, yeah. uh, she's a hell, she's a hell of a woman and she fabulously inspiring. I love listening to her speak. Yeah. I can't believe she's 28. So, so cool. Uh, I had to go out on stage after her and, and give oh, my no. speech. And I was that I, I don't get nervous for speeches, but I was a little nervous then just because of just how eloquent and wonderful she spoke. I right. was just like, crap, I'm going to sound like just a backwards kick when I go out here. Right. <laughs> just right. But um, it, I'm sure that it was great. And then, um, what about, I don't know if this is just online. It may just be online. It may just be like an, an internecin, uh liberal on left battle. But there's this narrative about how, um, you know, like it's, it's really ridiculous. You have straight white men accusing Ocasio of endorsing straight white men for like racist, sexist reasons, which is just ironic because Ocasio, of course, is a woman of color. And these people who are making that accusation didn't help her, didn't do anything about her. They didn't support her. Um, say, and uh, these same people also uh, were fine with uh, with Tom Perez and Hillary Clinton endorsing Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, over Cynthia Nixon. Um, again, to me, the issues are what matter. Like if all if all the all things being equal, if you have two identical candidates, yes, you should support the one who represents the more marginalized group. But that's not what we're talking about. And like we were saying with the with the endorsements, they're so inconsistent. So again, uh, Hillary Clinton endorses a straight white man, Andrew Cuomo, over a lesbian woman, Cynthia Nixon. That's fine. But Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez goes to Kansas and endorses you. Um, that's somehow problematic. Uh, what do you have to say to that? Uh, I think that the naysayers out there like that should shut the pie hole three feet above their ass because I'm getting <laughs> tired of hearing them. They're, like they they run around spouting off at the mouth about things that they don't know anything about because they're just trying to to draw followers and and draw criticism in any way that they can. Right. Um, Ocasio came out and supported Brent and I both because Brent and I both are endorsed by Our Revolution, mm-hmm. Brand New Congress, Justice Democrats. You know, Democracy for America were all endorsed by the same, you know, groups. Right. So was Ocasio. Right. Um, that's because why because you share the same values are, too. That's why you're endorsed. And by we those share groups. the same yeah. values, right? And we're out there fighting for those same values. Um, and they're wanting to point to somebody else and say, "Well, just because she's a woman, you should go out and support her," right. or just because you know um, it's uh, a person of color. Well, then you should be supporting her over somebody else. Well, that should be taken into consideration. But what are the the values that that person's running on? And if they don't line up with the values that Ocasio is running on, why would she endorse them? Right. You know, she's also the same trip that she came out for me and Brent Welder, the two white guys. She also went to St. Louis to rally for uh, Cori Bush. Right. Um, Wonderful uh, African-American woman out there who's busting her tail to, to get things done. Went to Michigan to um, to rally for Abdul Al-Sayed, yeah, in uh, Michigan, running for governor. You know, again, it's, 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 I know, it's, it's really making ridiculous. a mountain out of a molehill and trying to find controversy where there is none. Right. And of course, the big irony in this is that things like Medicare for All, things like Fight for 15, raising the minimum wage, these are anti-racist 
pro, I mean, these disproportionately help women and people of color because those are the people most hurt by underinsurance. And those are the people who the majority of minimum wage earners are, are women and people of color. If you care about women, people of color, underrepresented groups, you want the people whose policies impair these people. Yes. Um, yeah, it's, it's really ridiculous. Right. I have some... It gets very frustrating when you see that. But I mean, what that tells me, though, when I see those kinds of attacks, when I see, you know, this hatred that's spewing uh, out towards uh, Alexandria or Bernie or me, for that matter, we must be doing something right. Yeah, exactly. We're, right. we're scaring people and they, they feel that they have to go and use fear and um, tactics like that to try to beat down the message that we're trying to spread, that right. we're trying to help working people. Right. So. And you can't they can't actually say they can't overtly say, oh, we don't believe in um, raising the minimum wage. Oh, we don't believe in Medicare for all. I mean, they try to do the Oh, it's not it's not doable. They all this other lie that they do is, um, you know, we're not going to get rid of the we can't get rid of the ACA. And I love Sanders. He's like, I wrote the ACA. We're not going to get rid of it. I helped write it, but we're going to build upon it. Um, but yeah, they can't say that. So they have to pretend that the can, that the person is racist or sexist or homophobic and it only works some of the time. Cause what are you going to do when it's Cori Bush? Right. Those kinds of criticisms, I really don't pay too much attention to. I'm looking at the, um, the positive things we've got going on here with right. um, all the excitement and energy and, you know, let the naysayers, you know, shut go, their bottle. Know. As you said, yeah. You shut their pile, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and so. again, it, it's like, it, I don't think this actually is significant. This is not a conversation happening in Wichita, right? In Kansas. Um, no, no, well. Or is it, is it? A, a, a very a very minor few, you know, are trying to, to drive that wedge um, because they have no other way to, get traction. So, but it, it's not getting any traction. So. Right. Okay, great. If it does, just no, I mean, I've, it. I've been running for a year and a half. So everybody here knows me. Um, so, you know, we fully ex expect to you know have a blowout win on Tuesday night and head into the uh, general election with a lot of energy. So thank you so much, James Thompson. And we will okay. definitely be wishing you luck and following up on your campaign. Thank you, Katie, so much for the conversation. I really enjoyed it. And uh, thank you for having me on your show. Of course. Have a great day. Hey, you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Thanks so much for listening to the Katie Halper Show. You can hear the Katie Halper Show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on WBAI every Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's WBAI.org or 99.5 FM. Make sure you join our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show for bonus episodes, extended interviews, and other goodies. And again, find out more about these great candidates who are running for Congress at brentwelder.com. That's B-R-E-N-T-W-E-L-D-E-R.com. And at votejamesthompson.com. That's votejames, T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N.com.